0: Welcome to The Journal.ie's The Explainer. This is a bonus episode brought to you by our investigative platform, Noteworthy, where we carry out journalistic projects based on ideas sent to us by the public. I'm Susan Daly, and over the past few months at Noteworthy, we joined forces with The Journal to work on an extensive project, which found the traveller children face shocking obstacles in every aspect of life that we examined, from health to housing, from education to the justice system, and that investigation was led by our reporter Maria Delaney and The journalist Michelle Hensey. Now today we are going to focus on the use of reduced school days for traveller children. This was something the investigation team revealed is happening on a routine basis. I'm joined by Maria who is immersed in this investigation since July as well as Anne-Marie Quilligan who is a social care worker for the Tipperary Rural Traveller Project. Maria and Anne-Marie, thanks so much for joining us today. Our investigation found that travellers were being put on reduced school days with the agreement of schools, but not necessarily the agreement of the guardians or input from the students themselves. Maria, can you explain what that means in practice?
1: Yeah, so reduced school days, they're arrangements where students arrive after the usual start time or leave before the end of the school day. And there's also reduced timetables, which is where the student wouldn't attend for the full timetable so it goes from say a lot of people maybe would have Irish exemptions to um, people maybe not doing the full leaving cert schedule so they wouldn't do six subjects they might do four subjects which would obviously limit their ability to go on to third level college so um, it, yeah it varies from pupil to pupil and as you're saying it is with the permission of the school but it's not always In agreement with parents. And there was research done two years ago which found that one in four children with an intellectual disability are being put on short school days. Yeah, so I suppose what we found was, and we'll talk about it later, but there isn't really any data being done on this at the moment, but that travellers were being routinely put on reduced school days around the country from advocates that we spoke to and really, so
0: you're working with traveler students in particular but you are very aware of the issue of reduced school days what's your experience of why students in general are being put on them
2: there is a place for the use of reduced school hours you know there there is a place that's why i suppose um th- that process was was introduced so normally um that is introduced to support a child that might find it overwhelming to do a full day in the school but for for my experience overwhelmingly working with Traveller students I can't describe it as anything other than institutional and structural racism so I a lot of the families that I have engaged with or schools that I would engage with I have engaged because the parents have asked me to engage Um. so I would meet and it's not all and I have to I have to stress that It, it wouldn't be all principals and teachers but I do work with the most uh, vulnerable uh, families or let's say children within the education system. And a lot of the time, the uh, reduced timetable is introduced uh, for students without any consultation with the parents or any consultation with the child. So the child is completely uh, invisible in this. And when the children are put on a reduced timetable, there is it's supposed to last for maybe six weeks and it's reviewed, but always with the intention that the child uh, goes back to full time education and does a full day in school. But what I have been finding is that traveler children are being put on a reduced timetable from uh, first year straight on until, leave and start, until they complete school. Now, there are also challenges within the community. So where I am working with some children and trying to encourage them to go back into school on full days, and their response to me is, "Amory, if you put us back in, we're gonna leave school. So it's very complex, um, but it is generational and it is following the children from academic year to academic year uh, without any plan or um, engagement for the child to go back to a full day.
0: So the use of reduced hours can be of advantage if it's a short term, it's within a really specific plan, there's a reason for it, it's building them back up to getting its place. But what you're saying is that in the situations you've seen with traveller children, first of all, it's being used simply because label traveller versus any specific need. And rather than being exceptional use, it's becoming the status quo.
2: It's just, it seems to be, in some schools, it seems to be practiced. So, um, for example, one one mother contacted me and her child had uh, just started in first year in school. And um, he was being sent home every day at 11 o'clock. Now, this school did not have an opportunity to get to know the child and the, the needs of the child. And when I engaged with the school and the 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 principal's um, attitude was, I uh, the child has no interest in school, and um, he went on to tell me that uh, travellers leave school, traveller boys leave school early to go working with their their fathers, and I I have to stress this was coming from a principal that was working with children from a site where there was a hundred percent unemployment. So like I the children were, you know? How, where are these jobs that he was saying the children were leaving school for and as well i suppose there is the issue he was saying oh the girls don't have any interest in education because they they want to leave school and get married and like you know this is ireland 2021 i suppose um I I he said no interest in employment and education to just want to get married married women can work do you know i and it's just uh but he was wasn't willing to to hear that um and you know the the last segregated school in for traveler traveler children in ireland closed down in 2018 and i really feel that the overuse of reduced timetables for traveler children um it's just another form of segregation you know i i work with colleagues like so i i'm i'm 41 and i work with uh colleagues um So while my experience in education was a very positive one, I work with traveler colleagues that were at the same age as me and that were um, stripped and washed in school and deloused. You know, uh, there's no acknowledgement or there's no recognition of the trauma that was experienced by an awful lot of traveler parents within the education system, where they were not allowed to play with uh, non-traveler children. There were white lines drawn down the center of yards and there was no mixing or integration within the schools. So um, for me, it's like I, there's this assumption that travellers don't value education and travellers don't value mainstream education, but there is very little acknowledgement that travellers were never really valued within the education system, welcomed or wanted.
0: The intergenerational aspect is particularly hard to hear there, Anne-Marie, and shows the need for advocates like yourself when so many parents are Coming from a place of trauma and a relationship with the education system that is tainted by their own experiences, for sure. And Maria, you've been listening to a lot of workers in this area, and they would absolutely back up with Anne Maria is saying, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, like the just everything during this investigation, like every every topic I looked at, every everything I looked at was just so shocking. And I suppose the use of reduced school days was certainly one of them. And I suppose it, to give it some context um, like education is already a major issue in the traveler community and as anne was saying like it's a historic issue it goes back generations like for instance the last census in 2016 showed that 13 percent of travelers were educated to an upper secondary school level or above but that's over 70 percent in the general population and and that's just one of the stark statistics that i would have come across from everything from education to health like it's just so um upsetting i suppose when, when you're talking to um, education workers and health workers about what traveler children are facing on a day-to-day basis um and, and looking at um reduced school days like research from tu dublin found that travelers are on the shortest school days with reports of children attending for just 40 minutes and like having to make the effort to get ready for school go into school and then leave 40 minutes later like and um, that same research found that as a result of experiencing short school days, children suffer significant feelings of anxiety and exclusion, and in many cases, a desire to leave school entirely. And that's um like kind of similar to what Anne Marie was saying there about people not wanting to go back to school after being on reduced school days or going back to full hours. So. Yeah, like a lot of advocates I spoke to were calling on the eradication of reduced hours for traveller children, and obviously Anne Marie was saying like the reduced days maybe are needed in some circumstances, but the way they're being applied to traveller children is like a, it's a systemic issue. Um, and it was also reported to us that their misuse was leaving a generation of traveller children lost, and that's on top of other generations. Um, as Anne Marie was saying there, Anne Marie.
0: 40 minutes. If there's a child out there who is being sent to school, they barely have time to get their coat off, get a pen out, whatever equipment they're using, and then they're gone again. I really it, you, you can understand what you're saying about the lack of motivation. Why would you you it's not a place that's welcoming you and the students you work with are are there children on on very short days?
2: Yeah, so all of the students that I'm working with are on short days. I suppose like I I, I have we students as well now that are doing the 40 minutes. And one story that always uh, sticks out for me is the mother that, that rang me, that that young child that was in first year. And like she was after getting him his uniform, his school books. You know, he was excited about going into secondary school. He was excited about playing GE and things like that and the the school refused to engage with her you know very disempowering for a mother to have to come to someone like me just to have their voices heard in the school you know so it's a complete lack of respect but i would i would say that it's it's all the students that i work with and i suppose like when we take into consideration the living conditions and the living circumstances for an awful lot of these families and um, I'm working with a lot of families that are living on halting sites without access to running water, without access to toilets, living in caravans that might be infested with rodents and things like that, you know, and um, so he, he, there's an awful lot of um stress and trauma on the child and we all know like how trauma can impact the development of a child's brain. Um, And sometimes a child will struggle to regulate themselves. Sometimes child will struggle um, with their self-esteem and a a sense of feelings of belonging. And when you're trying to work, when I'm working with those children, um, and I go to groups and things like that with those children, I do really see the benefits of that one good adult and the positive reinforcement um, that it does work. And into to hear from those same children um, how they're being ignored in the classrooms, how uh, teachers don't acknowledge them, they don't get the extra supports for help with their homework. Um, if they struggle with reading, those extra supports aren't there. And a lot of the time, I suppose, uh, with the schools, the schools are inheriting an awful lot of uh, trauma and um, extra work because the state hasn't delivered in relation to housing and things like that. So that's a big pressure on the teachers and a big pressure on the schools. And I suppose for me, there's just such a lack of trauma-informed care and training and trauma-informed supports within the school. So like you're caught between a rock and a hard place because even when you come across uh, teachers that really do want to help, you know, they're so under-resourced, there's so little support there for them. And really, the collateral damage in all of this is, are the children.
0: I mean, that says it all. And Maria, I know that across the whole Tough Start series, as we called it, um, where we looked at different aspects of what's facing Traveller Children, that was became clear that what was happening in education was something that was reflecting a hardship in another area and that, that all of these things interplay and there's no real joined up strategy between them? Like what concerns did you uncover? Obviously, there's the concern about travelers missing out on education, everything that will bring to their future life. But how does that interact with everything else that's going on for them?
1: Yeah, like Anne-Marie was saying there, like childhood trauma came up a lot and just the lack of addressing this in schools or taking into account that children might be coming from halting sites or mightn't have running water. And I suppose one of the big issues that we found kind of across all areas, but in particular in education, is just the the reduction in resources after austerity so austerity resulted in an over 85 percent cut to traveler education funding and um, a lot of resources were cut and and dedicated teachers were cut so and that's obviously similar across other um areas as well but um with education like it is particularly seen when there isn't the resources to perhaps give time to people that would have this childhood trauma or um maybe have be showing behavioral issues to try and talk to the child and actually get behind it and a lot of workers we were talking to were saying that the children were just sent away or sent home rather than actually just talking to them and asking them what was wrong so um, that was one of the major issues was the resources that were there
0: and, and Marie you're working with many schools in the Munster area you mentioned resourcing as well. That is obviously an issue when it comes to to reduced errors.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm a lot of the time what I see is traveller children that are coming from primary school into secondary, that might be dyslexic and would not have got that assessment because the schools' I budget is so limited. To my knowledge, i the majority of schools that can only put forward two students a year for those assessments without without the proper assessments we know as well with cams and stuff like that resources and things are so limited but without the proper assessments a child really can't get the the proper supports and there has to be a wraparound support put in around a child to to meet their specific needs within the education system but um, because those supports are not there it seems to be that the easiest thing is just to not have the child in the school and I suppose I'm um, For when we speak about reduced timetables, if a child is put on a reduced timetable, it's supposed to be recorded and documented. And that information is supposed to be logged with the Department of Education. But what we're actually seeing are these children are going into school but the education welfare officer is not being informed that the children are leaving school early. So the children are being marked present in school and in relation to resources as well. Um, during um, COVID, I went in to support a group of traveller children that were doing the leave insert, um, only to find out that these children were being given colouring pictures. That was just last year. You know, um, in geography, they were being given uh, word searches and said at the back of the classroom, no engagement with the teacher. I had one young girl, I'm, and I was just saying to her, you know, when you have a question in class, you, you you put your hand up and you ask the teacher, you try and engage with the teacher and working with the child and biz, building a positive relationship. And she got a list of questions from her teacher one day and she put her hand up and she was saying, Miss, I, I don't understand this question. And the teacher's response to the child was, that's not my problem, is it? And she said to me, she said, I will never again, she said, put my hand up in class.
0: I mean we can talk about lack of resources and I know we're trying to say here that there are a lot of people who would really be willing to work with the challenges that traveller children face but there is also we have to acknowledge what isn't even an elephant in the room here if you have someone who feels it's okay to talk to a child like that you had your own experience even kind of from the top down um, with one particular principal. I'm sure it's only one of many stories but it, it really shocked me when I when I heard it, and I think it illustrates a lot around what we have to look at in terms of attitudes towards travellers and traveller children in general?
2: Yeah, I suppose um, there was a study done in 2017 in relation to um, the attitudes uh, towards travellers here in Ireland. And the statistics in that were overwhelming, where like all, it was all over 80% or 90% of the, the, the research participants. And I think there was a thousand research participants in it. But for the most part, 80, 90% did not want travelers as family members, did not want to work with travelers, did not want travelers as uh, neighbors. So we can't deny that there is racism we can't deny that there is prejudice, you know, and it's very it's very blatant as well. And an awful lot uh, wouldn't try and hide that, but the the children are experiencing it. And for the most part, I can understand a lot as well, where the, the parents are coming from. It is difficult uh, when you're trying to engage with a family and parents and, you know, you're saying about the importance of education and the children need to go into school, they need to get their education. When you're working with a community that 11% of us die by suicide. Um, When we're working with children that are bawling, crying, uh, their faces red and flushed, uh, their eyes filled with tears, and they're begging their parents not to put them into school. They're begging, you know, that's real, real fear. And I suppose Dr. Maria Quinlan uh, did a recent report in Out of the Shadows. And in that report, like she said, for rather than the parents and the children feeling a strong sense of belonging, they feel excluded. You know, so we have young children that are telling us that they're frightened going into school. We have young children telling us that the teachers don't like them. You know, I don't know uh, how an adult can make a child feel that way and not be aware that they're making a child feel that way. But I, um, I listened to Dr. Jane Mulcahy speaking recently and a, a quote that really stood out for me that she mentioned was a uh, dysregulated adults cannot regulate a dysregulated child
0: um and marie i think what you've described there is just we are looking at an emergency situation and i think that i can understand your sense that there's an emergency measure n- needed there and maria you know that's a very stark portrait that we have there of the I- immediate impact and then the impact is going to be on those children's future and their children's future as as we've seen in the past too um like as part of this series one of the things that we kind of need to look at then is surely this is being recognized as an emergency in the places where something can be done about it so the department of education and so on um but what you're actually finding is that we're not even on the road to charting bad an emergency is there there's a lack of data there's a lack of monitoring of the reduced school days what like why is this an issue at all
1: yeah like that was one of the things we wanted to find was how many traveler children are on reduced school days and i suppose it's important um to have data behind any of these policies because you have to show like who's being impacted and like our traveller children are being impacted like obviously from we were speaking to education workers around ireland and they are like the most travellers they worked with were on reduced school days but there's actually no data to back that up so there's no official department of education data so we asked um freedom of information requests press requests and the answer from the department was that they do not have any data on the usage of reduced school days hours or timetables and travelers and like that has been an issue across multiple areas we looked at, not only education, obviously health, justice, housing, and um, a thing called an ethnic identifier that almost all travellers I spoke to were calling for across areas because it's needed, this data is needed to show just the impact that these policies are having on travellers. And um, I suppose one of the things that is changing is that the department hopes to correct this with the implementation of new guidelines. There was new guidelines on reduced school days announced last month, and they're coming into force in January. And according to the department, um, this will ensure robust data collection, which the department envisages will include traveller ethnicity. And we actually had to ask them three times if it would include traveller ethnicity. And eventually they said that they envisage it would. From January, um, this data will be collected and um, the monitoring of reduced school days will be done by TUSLA and um, the schools will have to speak to parents and ensure that they're on board with it and that they inform TUSLA if people are being put on reduced school days. So there is new guidelines being put in place on this. So hopefully there will be an improvement in the future, though advocates were wary of this because um, they were just worried about if without robust monitoring if there would be change on the ground
0: interesting because <laughs> hesitate to use the word envisaged again but we might as well employ the department's word Marie. um these new guidelines on the use of reduced school to, school days were apparently issued to schools by minister for education norma foley last month um but do you envisage that there'll be enough Marie?
2: No, I I wouldn't have um, confidence in that. And I actually um, attended a webinar that was discussing that and I thought it was uh, very weak. Like my biggest struggle is... um, our children are on reduced timetables and it's not being recorded and how how will the department of education ensure that the schools are recording it? these children are invisible you know like i understand with tusla we're all aware as well that tusla our uh, tusla staff are overworked and under resourced i uh, also do you know so i don't know who's going to who's going to ensure that these children are recorded and documented like if they they can't collect the data or the statistics if it's not recorded, and like I, I, I don't know. I just, don't, I don't have faith in that. Like, and to be quite honest with you, I know maybe I know we need research, and I know we need um, we need uh, research studies and things like that. But we need action now. The children need action now. They haven't time to wait another three or four years for a research report to to be published. I mean, um, Dr. Maria Quinlan's report out of the shadows, um, that was completed months ago, and that's yet to be released. And that's a, a specific research report which uh, captured the voices of traveller children and their parents within the education system. You know, so I I, I, I don't have very much faith in it that'll work if it's, um, if it's recorded and documented in the school, but I don't see an incentive for schools that I'm working in where 90%, if not 99% of the children are not going in. I don't see them putting their hands up and documenting that.
0: You know, it's it's a school morning today, um, the day that we're recording this, um, no matter when you're going to be listening back to this podcast. And I'm thinking about these children who are going to school, not going to school, made feel unwelcome going into school and talking about the action that you mentioned there and marie maria did you come on it you come across anything that is active that are projects that are working on the ground
1: yeah there's a pilot um being rolled out at the moment until the end of the year and um, it's the sporting traveler and roma project or star project we spoke to the project's traveler education worker rachel coffee in cork who told us that students she worked with are going back to full days and increasing their time in school um, with one student they worked with going back to school for the first time after lunchtime, which obviously is very significant and that's to do with having resources in schools they have a traveler education worker for both travelers and roma so it's all about resources and another recent development that advocates welcome is the ongoing progress of the traveler culture and history in education bill, which is currently in the committee stage. So amendments are being debated um, at the moment in the committee. However, traveller organisations have campaigned for this for decades. So again, it's it's something that is welcome, but obviously has taken a long time to get there.
0: It has. And Anne-Marie, look, this is your life's work, and I really want to kind of conclude this discussion with it. I We've seen how stark the situation is, and I'd like you to give me a sense of if you had the magic wand in the morning what could get some things done in this area for traveler children
2: I have huge faith and confidence if uh, in the traveler culture and history traveler culture and history being introduced to the curriculum I think that would not just benefit traveler children it would benefit all the children we are Irish travelers we are a significant part um, of Irish society you know we belong here um and we we deserve to have our history and our culture recorded, and documented, and taught in the schools, and I think if that was available, um, that really would I uh, build help build positive relationships and a positive outlook and view of the traveller community with the upcoming generations. Um, I also feel that there is a significant need for trauma-informed care that practice within the schools, and I th- I think it's unfair to expect teachers to be able to, to, to be the be all and end all to, to children in schools. I mean, we see now even with the homeless and the housing crisis, um, which does not impact just traveler, traveler children, you know, that's impacting children across the whole country. We understand that they are, uh, it's not just traveller children that experience trauma, you know, um, and it's not just a class issue, but it can be um poverty, it can be children that are experience domestic violence. So we understand that it's not just specific cohorts of children, but traveller children are disproportionately impacted. And I feel there is a need for extra supports within the schools to support the children and to support the staff to uh, deliver a trauma-informed response for the the, the children. Um, And I suppose uh, for myself personally, I think and it is hard for me to say this as well, but you know what, it's the easy thing would be to criticise the government. The easy thing would be to criticise the schools. But We also need to take a look at national traveller organisations and what's been done there and how change has actually been implemented, because nobody should be free from being critiqued or analysed. And I think between the national NGOs, I think between the Department of Education and society overall, I think we need to take a step back here now and admit that things have been done very wrong. Change has not come for the children. This is not a case of pointing the finger of blame, but people need to be able to start having honest conversations and the change needs to come from there. So whatever has been happening with the past 10 years, the past 20 years, but this has actually been going on since 1960, has not been working. And the way I look at it is that the onus of responsibility then is being placed on the child and on the family. The teachers are not being supported and there are people working in departments of education and NGOs that really need to start earning their money.
0: That is very well said, Anne-Marie, and it brings us back to the fact that the sharpest end of the wedge here is resting on the most vulnerable, the children and their parents. And, you know, I'd hope that the efforts by advocates like yourself and all the people doing sterling work in this area will be matched at some point by changing policy, implementation, resources and efforts from everyone involved. I just want to thank you for your work on this and for helping so much with this series as well. And to Maria and, of course, Michelle Hennessy for their sterling work over the past few months on the Tough Start series. And thanks to you for listening to us on this bonus episode of The Explainer brought to you by Noteworthy.ie. It was produced by Laura Byrne. If you want to learn more about our work at Noteworthy and how we source our stories from you, our readers and listeners, head over to our site at noteworthy.ie and you can sign up there as well to our newsletter and that will give you a great insider look at our latest investigations. You can get that by visiting noteworthy.ie forward slash newsletter. Thank you for having us and see you next time with our next investigation.